All right. Fuck it was there. It's Saturday Jam. I'm your host, Mesh. Uh, let's see what we got here. What we got on the docket today? Well, today is Saturday, and that means it's the weekend. Uh, it's November, it's the first weekend in November. Uh, and it's, uh, hmm, well, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know of a few things in November that are sort of like events that happen, mass events where people, a lot of people do or strive to do something for the month of November. One of them is NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, uh, where people try to write a novel in one month, a whole novel, which I think if I remember correctly, a novel is 50,000 words. Let's see, 50,000 words. Uh, novel, let's see, novel length words, word count, between 50,000 and 110,000 words. Huh, why is there an upper limit? Well, okay, okay. <laughs> I guess I guess you have to have some kind of upper limit. The book split it up into another book. It's more than 110,000 words. How many pages is that? 110,000 words. Two pages. Oh, that's... What? That's only 220 pages. I know there's novels with more pages than that. Uh, hmm. well, anyway, I don't know. That was just a random website. It's maybe it's not a, an authoritative source on how the upper limit of the length of a novel, but I guess, I guess a lot of, there seems to be a fair amount of agreement on the lower bound being around 50,000 words. But, you know, I've it's probably been novels that are shorter. Novelettes, novellas, is that, that's it, novellas, that's the word, or short novel. Ah, uh, yes. But, uh, yeah, so NaNoWriMo is happening this month. Um, you know, I was thinking about trying to write something this this year. Because, uh, you know, for years I've been wanting to do NaNoWriMo. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's five days in, and I haven't... I did write a little bit of, of like, some ideas I had. But... Yeah, um, I guess, it, let's see, to get, uh, get my calculator out here. So to get 30,000 pages, or no, what was it, 50,000 words written in 30 days, okay, so you need to write 1,666.6 6 
0.66 repeating words a day. So yeah, so like 1,600 words a, a day is how much you would need to write to uh, properly um, properly get NaNoWriMo completed. Uh, let's see. So 1,600 words is about 3.2 pages double-spaced, apparently. Uh, uh, okay, so yeah. So 3.2 pages a day. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you just write without thinking, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't you know. We'll see. We'll see if it's possible this month for me or this year. Maybe do it next year. Maybe I'll plan better for next year. Uh, another mass event that happened in November is No Nut November. For those that don't know, it's when you can't eat any nuts. You know, peanuts, Brazil nuts, almonds, you know. That's not what no November is. Uh, maybe, maybe I could write a, a book about in, for NaNoWriMo. I can write a book about an alternate reality where No Nut November is about not eating any nuts. Um, maybe in this imagined reality, nuts are a highly addictive substance. Uh, maybe they cause hallucinations. Maybe they cause people to forget all of their other problems. Uh, it could be a heavy-handed metaphor, maybe. Uh, that's one thing about fiction writing. You know, that allows, it allows you to talk about issues without directly talking about them. So it's, it's, it's a little, there's a little, that little bit of a, of distancing allows people to more fully engage with the material and think through the implications of whatever is being discussed without resorting to their ingrained beliefs about particular real-world issues. I do feel like sometimes people, uh, the balance is a little off. Sometimes people, uh, the metaphor is too on the nose and it becomes a little bit lame. It's really hard. It's, it's a balancing act. It's really hard to quantify what makes that kind of uh, metaphor, where you're you're sort of talking about a, an issue or, or something. You know, there's a fine line between it being really uh, insightful and clever, and uh, you know, and on the other hand, being 
really uh, didactic and, uh, you know, kind of corny in a sense, <laughs> I guess. And, yeah, that, that reminds me actually of another thing. So I remember, um, I remember seeing the DVD extra, uh, <laughs> like like the behind the scenes thing on a DVD for a movie, which the name I'm forgetting. It had, it was about a zombie. It was like a zombie romance. Warm bodies. Uh, that's the one. Yeah, I, I had a friend who lent me the DVD for that because she she said I really needed to see it because she thought the main character reminded me of reminded her of me. <laughs> yeah, like and like the main character is a literal zombie. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess. I, well, I guess so. Basically, it's like he's like an emotionless zombie. Uh, and he starts to feel emotions in the movie. And I guess she saw something of that in me, like me being emotionless, an emotionless zombie that's going through the drudgery of my daily life, perhaps finding emotions through interacting with people, Yes, dear listener, as I think about it now, maybe that did describe me at some point in my life. Maybe it still does. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I saw this movie because uh, I was linked to the DVD, and I'm the, I'm the kind of person that always watches all the DVD extras. So if, if you give me a DVD or if I a DVD, or I will watch all the extras all the extra content, all the behind the scenes stuff. I don't I don't necessarily have time to rewatch the movie with the commentary. Uh I usually don't do that, but uh, I will watch all the behind the scenes documentaries and stuff. And uh yeah, and I did that for this movie. Uh <laughs> that reminds me like some, sometimes I'll literally like be over at somebody's house where we see a movie, you know, gather around to see a movie and like everyone it'll be like late at night so everybody falls asleep except me, I'll stay up, or I'll, like, sneak back over <laughs> to the TV <laughs> when everybody else is asleep and watch the DVD extras uh, and stuff. Uh, well, because, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think, edit, yeah, I think, I think most people are as keen on it as I am. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, I feel like I pick up little insights in here and there in those things, and, uh, yeah, well, in, in this, in the Warm Bodies DVD commentary or the, not the commentary the uh, behind the scenes extra there was an interview with the director um who who was that guy was the director it might have been the director or the writer i don't know might have been well whoever it was the director was jonathan levine 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 that sounds familiar so it might have been him uh, he was talking about what makes something seem corny? Um, like what makes something corny? Corny. <laughs> what makes something, you know, what what happens in a movie or a story or whatever that makes you just groan and roll your eyes 
like, oh, that's so corny, that's so lame, right? Uh, and what he was saying is that what makes someone feel that is when something happens that doesn't feel real. And I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, I, but I believe he qualified it by saying, like, it has to feel real for that world, the world you've created. And if it, if it doesn't make sense for that world, if, if a character does something or there's some circumstance that happens that does, that just feels very forced, uh, that's when things get corny. Like, it, it just it just doesn't feel real. Like, it's, it's not relatable. And... You know, that, you know, I've, I've thought about that sometimes, about how, how that works in storytelling, um, about how, making something feel real. And, like, I think it's a, it's a very context-sensitive thing. I think it's, it's very variable. I think sometimes the exact same circumstance or uh, behavior can seem corny in one context, but completely appropriate in another and I think that a lot of that has to do with how you set up the world. So you have to kind of build up a world and a set of rules within it uh, that earns the audience's um, belief that everything that you introduce into that world could happen there, right? So um, Yeah, so so it's it so and sometimes you have to do a little extra work to get there as the creator or storyteller. Uh, sometimes when someone is uh, uh, let, let's you know let's say there's a character who has to convince someone to do something, and if so let's and let's say the care so so there's a few ways that could play out right so so on the one hand um you know you could you could say something that's totally not believable right so like someone uh is like hey i, I need you to do this and then the other person's like oh okay sure you know um uh, it's like well okay uh what are the, what are the consequences you know what are the consequences of that for that character agreeing so quickly and do those and does it make sense that the character would so readily uh you know give up um uh you know on and and just give in uh to that um you know if someone if, if you know if a character is trying to convince another character or something and it's a mild inconvenience um you know maybe it's believable but if it's like something that would take a lot of effort or potentially harm that other person. Uh, maybe that is less believable. Uh, also, you have to think about the, the character dynamic, the relationship, how, you know, how much they care for each other. If it's a business, like a business relationship, if, it, if they're strangers, you know, uh, so you have, yeah. So, so the amount of pushback, that one character would give if someone else is trying to convince them of something, you know, you you as the audience have to feel like it's the right amount of pushback, whether it's none or at all, or it's a lot. And they're like, hey, I can't do that. And they're like, why not? Why? It's like, 
you know, and, and like there's no, there's no, you know, and the, and then the back and forth also, you know, like if there's a lot of fighting over this, uh, but um, that, you know, that also could, could, uh, could not be earned because maybe someone is like, hey, I just won a million dollars. Do you want half of it? And someone's like, no, you know, uh, that, you know, you have, you have to establish, you'd have to establish some things about that character before that makes any sense. Or, or like later on, you would have to explain because like, you know, if someone is going to turn down something that, that ostensibly would benefit them a lot, uh, uh, that that's another situation where it's, it it feels weird. It feels potentially corny. Like maybe you know, like maybe like this person has like maybe you're trying to say maybe the 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 creator of this of such a story would be trying to say this character um, uh, is really against uh, material things, right? But it's like, okay, this character is against material things, but this is like turning down half a million dollars, right? So, uh, yeah, so you would have to really build up that character's innate uh, sort of uh, revulsion towards uh, material things for that to make sense. Um, Right. So, yeah. Um, or, or, you know, I guess there's other ways. So if we're talking about the same situation where one character is trying to convince a character of something else and a character agrees right away, it might seem really strange. Like, oh, why, why do they agree right away? And that adds a little, that puts a little mystery in your mind. Like what's going on? And maybe you learn later on that the person that was doing the convincing had put a spell on that person or they had some kind of like, telepathic ability to influence them or they were wearing special pheromones or something that got them that uh that convinced them right away but you you know you, you don't know that maybe until later in the story right so um yeah i think it's just a matter of earning those moments you know uh i think it's i think it's a useful thing in improv as well i think if you're talking about what makes sense for a character or why a character would do something. Um, you know, just being in the moment and thinking like what would be right in that time and like what, what has already been established in this world that would make sense. Uh, yeah. But uh, I guess originally what I was talking about to get to this point was I was referring to how a lot of times a lot of times what people say they want uh, in a story is less about what the character wants and more about what the author wants. And, uh, and it's sort of like, instead of, the, instead of a character saying they want something, it's like an author trying to make a point or a storyteller trying to make a point and that's uh so that was my earlier point about how when people are writing stories that have a message you know maybe using a metaphor to talk about an issue uh 
sometimes the message gets in the way of telling a good story, you know, and that's, that's, that, that's when things get corny because that's when it's like, oh yeah, this doesn't, like, this doesn't make sense in this world for these characters, but it apparently makes, uh, it apparently makes some kind of point about an, an issue and, uh, yeah, and that and I think I think that's when people tune out, you know. That's when people because it's like people are invested. When people get invested in a story, their 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 brain is doing all kinds of things. They're trying to figure out what the character dynamics are, what all the relationships are. They're trying to figure out the world and the and like the rules of that world and how uh, the social dynamics are, the, the political and economic forces that control the world. The technology of that world, or or if it's or magic, or or whatever. If it's if it's if it's like the real world, you know, maybe it's a stylized version of the real world. So how does it differ from the real world? How is it exaggerated? People are trying to figure all this out, and it's all in their head. And if there's some some kind of incongruence and some kind of uh, thing that plays against the uh, the feeling that uh, that everything is coherent within that setting, within that story. Uh, I think that's when people, um, you know, it, it, that's, it, people, it frustrates. Sometimes people have a very negative reaction, maybe, maybe like too negative. Maybe some people get a little too upset over it. Uh, you know, it's just a story. It's just fiction. There's no need to get upset over it. Usually, <laughs> I mean, especially if it's just a matter of just poor writing or poor plotting or whatever. Um, but it, but I mean, yeah, but it, but it's like you know, when people are invested in something and it doesn't deliver, and you know, I think there's a the, the difference. There's a there's a kind of a, a distinction that should be made between delivering on what someone expected versus just uh, bad quality storytelling. Um, you know, sometimes people feel like they wanted something different than what was given. Um, and, you know, maybe other people like it. Maybe it's just not for them. Uh, but also I think there's a more objective criteria where you can sort of, you take your own personal uh, preferences out of the equation and then you, you think like, does this make sense? And I think some people conflate the two. Some people say like, well, this is, doesn't meet my expectations. Therefore it is bad. Uh, versus this doesn't meet my expectations or this isn't the kind of thing I like, but on its own merits, there's consistency and clarity and thought put into it that I can appreciate, even though it's not my kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think that's really important to uh, make that distinction. Uh, I Years ago, I had a professor who uh, uh, who talked about this, about this idea of um, separating 
quality from preference and but how this this is this is uh this is what separates real literary critique from just a personal review uh i guess of <laughs> of um yeah and you know i think yeah i think it's easy especially for shows and stuff to yeah because like people yeah people can just give their opinion on something and that's perfectly valid that's their opinion uh but yeah it's like uh, i think it's a little um uh, it's you know it's, it's not quite the same thing as like uh really critiquing something on the structural level you know on the it just critiquing whether something works or not and uh yeah uh but i think it's an important exercise for people that are interested in storytelling in any form and interested in connecting with an audience uh or, or connecting with other people even like just that awareness of like what is working and what isn't what it what feels earned and feels uh uh feels uh kind of in line with um if those circumstances really existed even though it's fiction um yeah so yeah i think yeah maybe so i think that's an interesting exercise to think about is like like thinking about a some kind of moment that happens in a story and then working backwards right so like the moment so like you have a moment some kind of moment and you, like you really want this in your story right but it may or may not make sense in the story but you want that moment in there so you let's say we we have this moment that happens and then we work backwards and we think what would justify that moment being there either from a like a character perspective or from a narrative perspective or from the perspective of the setting itself and how this works well um how could we justify that so yeah so that was so my earlier example was uh which you know which i sort of discussed was uh you know, what if one character is trying to convince another character of something and whether, and then the other character says yes or no right away, uh, what would justify that? Uh, especially if it's a very, it's something that would be, it would be very hard to imagine yourself as an audience member making the same choice. If, if, if the choices of all the choices that characters make in a story are basically what you would already make if you were in a situation. Um, it maybe in some sense it's easy to relate. It's, it's easy to relate, but it but it's also maybe a little boring because it's not challenging you. So if it's sort of like everyone sort of makes the the most sensible, e easy choice, um, you know, maybe maybe that maybe that reduces the level of conflict in the story 
or not. I don't know. I guess you can maybe you could tell a story where, yeah, I mean, like on some level, you have to be able to relate to the character. But I guess you just sort of also temper that with the idea that sometimes people do things that you wouldn't do um, in re both in real life and in fiction, uh, which can be frustrating for some people because they're like, why did they do that? I would never do that. Yeah, well, maybe you wouldn't, but this character did, and and that's that's the that's where you have to earn the audience's uh, sort of suspension of disbelief. You have to you have to make them believe that that character made a choice for a reason that made sense to them, even if you wouldn't do that. You have to buy into the fact that that character was in a place where they would do that, whether either beforehand or after explaining it after the fact. So you have to carry that for the audience, carry that, that torch until it's, uh, until it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's uh, been tossed onto the fire and contributes to the rest of the story. Otherwise it just sort of hangs there. Like, why did that happen? Why did, who did, who, why <laughs> where did that come from how yeah yeah so so yeah so let's think about that as an exercise so like my example so let's say yeah so earlier i give the example someone says hey i just won a million dollars in the lottery do you want do you want half of it uh and someone is like right away they're just like no i'm like hmm that's an interesting character choice why would they do that so now here's where the exercise comes in. So now we work backwards and try to justify why that character moment happened. So if someone is turning down half a million dollars, my first thought is they probably, they, they might, maybe they hate that person. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe they don't want anything from that person. They don't want to feel like they owe that person anything. Uh, or maybe they think it's a joke. They're like, oh, here, here you come again with another, another one of your crazy schemes, and they just don't want anything to do with it. So they're just like, no. Um, maybe, as I said earlier, maybe they're really against material possessions, and you have to really build up, build that up. This is, this person lives like a monk, you know. They 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 meditate on the mountain. They they don't want anything. They don't want for anything, and so any material possessions, they're totally against it. Or maybe they had money before, and that uh, led to a lot of problems, and maybe they distrust money. Uh, so, so, so yeah. So there's a few things there. So it's potential. There, potentially, there's a character dynamic that explains it. Potentially, there's something about the character, the uh, personality of the character that explains it. Uh, yeah, so relationships, personality. Uh, what else could explain it? Maybe, maybe in this world. So it's okay. So so we just we just did personality, relationship. Another possible way to explain it would be so. Maybe in this world of this story, maybe having a lot of money puts a target on your back, right? Like maybe uh, for whatever reason. Uh, or, you know, yeah, or, or like, yeah, like maybe have, yeah, if you win the lottery, you get a lot of money, maybe like other people in your family start like trying to get it, or maybe it, you know, this makes you a target for thieves and criminals. 
or uh, uh, or yeah, or, there, or there's just something about the world. Let's see, what else could it be? Maybe people that have a lot of money in this world find that they are given more responsibilities. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's something like tax. Well, taxes, I mean, of course, when the lottery, you're going to pay a lot of it in tax. You know, pay, a lot of it's going to go in tax. So that's one thing. But like, there's no reason to turn it down, I don't think. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe in this particular world, like people that have over a certain amount of, of income have some kind of responsibility that maybe that doesn't want, like maybe maybe in this in this world, this is hypothetical, of course, this is fictional, but uh, maybe people over a certain amount of income have to serve uh, some kind of government duty or something, uh, as because that's like. That's like part of the laws of this universe of this this fictional country or whatever uh and like maybe they don't want maybe maybe the other person's trying to get out of something maybe they're trying to get out of being in a certain bracket by giving up half of the money, but then yeah, maybe that could cause another another a burden for this other person. I don't know, yeah, so there's, and then there's you know there's different things you could you could maybe consider. Potential problems. Um, yeah. So, so like, yeah. So we could talk about. Uh, yeah. So we could talk about like. Uh, let me. Yeah. Let me think here. So we're. So we're. So yeah. So we're. So we're. We're talking about. Ways to justify a character choice or a decision or an event that happens in a story, and I've so now I have I've so um so I have three so I've uh, the categories I have of right now, and this was just sort of me riffing off the top of my head here. Uh, uh, okay, so yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay, so we had personality, uh, I'm taking notes now, I'm taking notes on what I'm saying, uh, personality, uh, no, I, first one I was relation, relationship, personality, world, uh, what else could be in, what else could justify Something. So it could be, uh, well, this this kind of ties into relationship, but in this case, but maybe maybe like past events. So maybe like, um, and this also ties into personality and world. It kind of ties into all of them. But yeah, past events. So like, maybe this per so this person turns down half a million dollars. You think that's weird, but then the flashback that shows you know. They had a relative that won the lottery, and uh, all the bad things that happened to them. And and then it's like, oh, that makes sense why this person would be hesitant uh, to do, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah. So past events. Uh, 
I also talked about, um, you know, someone potentially have, using magic or something or like, yeah, or yeah. So, so like maybe there's like a supernatural explanation, uh, which um, ties into world as well. It's, it's kind of a sub category of that one. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, that could that's arguably lazy writing. I mean, depending on the situation, like if you're just explaining something. Like it was magic. Wait, uh, that's actually a problem I have with uh, a lot of fantasy type stories. Where, so like, I do think it's interesting when you have a fantasy story that has really well thought out magic systems uh, that have specific rules and limitations on what they can and can't do, and like how it is used and how someone attains that power and, and all that, uh, I think that can be a really interesting thing to play around with in, in storytelling. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, sometimes you have stories where something happens and the only explanation is just, oh, it was magic. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's like, there's no, and there's no, there's nothing really there's nothing leading into it or nothing backing that up or like it's just oh that happened it was magic like uh i think that i think that can be problematic because again it's going back to the whole thing of like does it make sense for the world can you justify it can can the audience buy into that um yeah so be careful with supernatural supernatural explanations for things um, you have to really integrate that into the world and um, for it to not come off as cheap, you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like bringing characters back to life from the dead, for example, um, especially if it, if it was a big deal made about a character dying in the story. And then they're brought back to life. I feel like you have to do a lot of work as a storyteller to make that transition believable, you know? Uh, like, if it, okay, so if it was a world where, like, people come, can come back to life all the time and, like, that's already established or, like, that becomes established that this, you know, that it's possible for people to come back to life from the dead and, you know... Um, it, 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 then it's like, okay, this makes sense for the world. It makes sense, you know, maybe they have, maybe they have, some characters have to go on a quest to figure out how they can, how they can do it or how, or to get the materials they need to, to make it happen. Uh, okay, that makes sense. But if it's just like, it just sort of happens. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's a fine line. I, I know like some people may feel like it doesn't, require that much explanation but you know uh yeah i feel like if you bring a character back from life back to life from the dead uh yeah there there, there needs to be some kind of explanation other than it was just magic uh, because uh uh i mean it, like it can just be magic but like just you know put some thought into the magic put some effort into it or the technology maybe it's not magic per se maybe it's 
more of a sci-fi thing it's like technology right so you know if 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 it's really commonplace in the in the sci-fi world for people to be brought back from the dead uh you know all right you've done the work of establishing that fine but if it's like this is like never happened before and some some people just throw something together in the lab and bring someone back to life uh, and it's like a totally new thing that's that's sort of never been established in this world that is a uh, uh, not as believable. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously I think I'd be willing to look past it if it's a very tongue in cheek kind of story, if it's like kind of a comedy where it's not really taking it, taking the world building that seriously. Like, yeah, if you've established that tone. Uh, oh, that's a good one. So, all right. So I'm going to add that to the list. So there's another way to explain and justify an event in a story is with tone, right? So it, so yeah, so if um, if you have this, so going back to my earlier example of someone turning down uh, a lot of money, uh, maybe you've established that through the tone that things are a, a bit surreal or a bit screwball, you know, where people kind of do, you know, there's some weird characters that kind of do weird things, and they, you 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 know, that's just sort of part of this world and part of the tone of the story. Uh, then you know, hey little things that throw you off kilter like that, you know, that don't quite sense in the real world, uh, or that would seem a little odd, you know, uh, you know, if, if you can make it where those kinds of things are the norm through the tone, um, then I think it, it, it helps with audience buy-in. Uh, I mean, I think it could potentially work as a, as an, as something that is, um, a sudden shift as well. You know, like it, like you weren't expecting something unusual to happen, and then it did. Uh, but then I think, then I think afterwards, you need to to start integrating that kind of tone more to so it doesn't seem like a fluke, like it was this. You know, it does. You know, if something happens once, it seems like bad writing or bad storytelling. If it's uh, if it's something that that seems really tonally off from the rest of the story, but if it's a pattern if it happens again and again or a few times um then it's like oh okay, this was intentional you can see the intentionality of it uh which you know and actually that, so that that makes me also think like whether or not that's a good thing because you know i guess when you can see the hand of the author a little too much in there um that can be all that can also be off-putting for its own reasons uh yeah, yeah, if you, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the hand of the author should have a light touch uh, in most cases. I mean, it depends. Uh, I mean, we can talk about, you know, Bertolt, Bertolt Brecht and uh, epic theater, um, dialectical theater. Uh, yeah, I mean that's another that's that's a whole other topic, I guess. But yeah, but but you know, there, um, uh, yeah, Bertolt Brecht, uh, German author, playwright, philosopher. Uh, he uh, he he had an he he um, had a philosophy of of. Uh, using stories as a way to 
have a dialogue with the audience. And part of that is creating what he called the uh, the the distancing effect. Uh, yeah, or in in uh, in German that's the Verfremdungseffekt, uh, right? So this is like the idea of creating a distance between the audience and the story in a way that allows them to not not completely suspend their disbelief. Which is, you know, a lot of Hollywood movies, you know, like the sort of kind of the old Hitchcock, John Ford, you know, old Hollywood kind of storytelling is all about people buying into something to the point they suspend their disbelief and then it's sort of like they they're letting this experience sort of wash over them and they're uh not necessarily thinking critically about it they're sort of uh they're just being entertained and that, that's kind of what hollywood you know it's kind of like the hollywood system is uh, sort of just making these entertaining movies that let you forget about your problems for for a while and, and it's sort of like an escape for people and then you know it makes a lot of sense uh and it makes a lot of sense why that you would want that in an in, in entertainment uh but uh uh what Bertolt Brecht was talking about um with uh, the distancing effect is creating an intentional distance so people are aware that, that what they're the of the artifice of what they're watching or seeing or experiencing in terms of a story and uh yeah and that and that um that I, I guess in his mind and you know the mind of others that you know sort of have developed this theory is that it allows people to engage with the the material and think critically about it you know so you're not just letting this experience wash over you and just sort of letting things happen and um you know just going along with the story it's like you're actually actively engaged in like what whether or not what is happening is right or wrong or whether it's like good or bad and you're thinking about these things and part of part of that is um you know, you know, you're not necessarily, um, you're not necessarily directly relating to the characters. You're not necessarily empathizing with them, right? Like a, a lot of, a lot of storytelling is about getting you to root for the main character or a set of characters or even the villain, like getting you to, to sympathize with the villain even. Um, whereas this type of, uh, what, what, Bertolt Brecht, Brecht called the uh, called epic theater um, or dialectical theater is is uh, something that is intentionally kind of throwing you off and making you not necessarily um, sort of uh, feel uh, entertained <laughs> by by what you're doing. Uh, I mean, it could be it, it's also about, um, it's also about like uh, educating the viewer, the the audience, in a sense, and so that kind of goes back a little bit to my point about when I first started this discussion about having a message in 
storytelling, you know, and uh, like I said earlier, it's a fine line. So if you have like a ham-fisted metaphor or a very preachy kind of like, you know, fantasy of, 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 of like what, oh, oh, look at this terrible thing and what happens if this happens and, or people think this or what, you know, like this kind of, when you feel like you're being preached to, uh, that can be off-putting. And I answered earlier, when something doesn't feel right in the story, it can't really be justified by the the circumstances of, of the story. That can also pull you out of it. That can also be off-putting. But what if you want to intentionally distance the audience uh, potentially in an off-putting way, but it, but in, but in a way that is like used to, um, to start a discussion, I guess, um, you know, because like maybe, uh, something, something that happens in a story can, can challenge the viewer to the point that they really have to think about uh about what they just saw like um i'm trying to actually i i don't know if i can think of an example to be honest uh i but i yeah i mean but i yeah i mean like i i think i think an example might be having a character who's very unlikable right like the audience hates this character or maybe they're or, or maybe they just don't understand this character this character is, has a completely alien way of thinking to them but and then things are happening to this character maybe maybe the way other people are treating this character maybe they're being unfair to this character but it's like now you're in there's a conflict it's like well i don't i don't really relate to this character i don't really like this character but people are being unfair to this character. How do I feel about this? And suddenly you as the audience are thinking and about your own biases, biases and your own uh, uh, sort of uh, connection to the material. Uh, and like, and you know, if you're a very thoughtful person, I guess you might interrogate in yourself, why, why do I believe this should or should not happen to this character? It's like this, like this character is a terrible person. Why do I care if people are being unfair to that character? Why do I care if people hurt that character? Or on the other hand, you might think like, oh my God, why do I want people to hurt this character? Why why would I want that? And and it's sort of like turning it back on you and like, uh, yeah. So I think there is something to be said for challenging the viewer, challenging the audience through storytelling to create a dialogue and to create further discussion about a particular issue or about morale. You know, I feel like a lot of it has to come down, comes down to like morality, um, moral issues. Uh, but it could be other things too. It could be, just things, just reasoning and logic, that kind of thing too, as well. Uh, creating a set of circumstances in a story that leads to a certain logical conclusion, but then 
maybe you, you maybe you're horrified by the uh, by the implications of that logic, even though it makes sense. Uh, you know, like that could be another thing. Uh, or maybe you realize that something that is considered normal in society is actually a bit weirder than you ever thought because it was never really uh, it was never really uh, critiqued in a way that made sense to you until you saw it within the context of this story uh, because in, you know it, 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 it's one thing to theorize about whether something makes sense, especially when you're talking about things in our culture or the way our society is set up or processes that are commonly used. You know, it's, it's one thing to theorize about them, but it's another thing to sort of see how they play out in a, in a certain scenario. And I think human beings are wired to think in terms of stories and, and we, uh, you know, there's obviously a long tradition of oral storytelling going back to prehistoric times. Uh, so I think in a lot of ways we're wired for stories. And so putting something in the form of a story is a really powerful way of getting people to engage with it that otherwise wouldn't, which goes back to my original point, or my, the starting point of this discussion, which is, you know, using stories as a way to uh, to um, to <laughs> you know talk about things, right? Like it's not just something that happens, but it's like there's more to it than that. But in a way that is not talking down to the audience and is not off-putting because it's corny or you know it's sort of like the, the, it's like a mouthpiece for the author, right? It's more like you know, I, I feel like I feel like the author, the more the author is sort of like front and center in a story, uh, the less that you can think about the issues themselves, and the more you think about like, wow, this person really wants to say something here, and it's and it kind of pulls you out of that. So, yeah, it's a back and forth. So I talked about a, the distancing effect, but also, you know, there, it depends. It, I guess it's more like depends what you, what you know what is being distanced i guess whether it's the story itself like so so you want you want to be close enough to the story to see it far enough away from the author to not feel like you're judging the author <laughs> um but also um have enough uh distance to for self reflection maybe maybe that's one way to put it uh, or and critique. Yeah, um, yeah, interesting, interesting things to think about. Who knows? Who knows what the right way is? There's no right way. There's no right or wrong way. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, it's it's got to be. gotta be like one of i mean the, the fact that we're still you know like like people can be an be a writer or an author or an improv actor or whatever people can do those things 
and they're you know and you're tapping into a tradition that goes back to the beginning of human history and beyond and yet we still haven't really figured out all the answers you know like there's no right or wrong answer like you can you know so and people you know you can come up with some new way of storytelling that has never existed before i mean i guess that'd be really hard there's so many stories out there obviously i mean every, you know there's so much out there that's been done. I don't know. It'd be very hard to do something that's never been done before. But possibility is non-zero. I like those odds. I like that there is some chance to do something that's never been done before. I think it's worth exploring those things. Because that's how we move forward as a society you know in this one area of storytelling i mean that's what i'm talking about here storytelling using storytelling to talk about issues whether you know what makes that worthwhile or believable or yeah yeah so if anyone's listening to this <laughs> Oh man, if it, yeah, no one's listening to this. Look, I'm just gonna be real here. I'm talking to myself. But uh, if somehow anybody's listening to this, yeah, find those new ways of thinking about stories. Find that. Find the the right level of distance between your words and the audience. So that the right effect, you know, you, you, so you get the right effect that you, that you're looking for, um, in terms of how they relate to the material, to the ideas. Uh, I've heard it said that art is not about the thing itself, but the hand that's pointing to it, right? So, so art, one way to think about art is like it's a way of, uh, you know, it like art becomes real when it, is seen by someone and they form some new thought in their head based on what they've seen like that's that's the that's when art sort of leaps off the canvas it doesn't have to be a painting it could be anything but like it metaphorically leaps off the canvas and becomes something more it's a, it sort of serves its purpose when it uh, creates um, a, a discussion, like I was saying earlier, or a thought. Uh, so, in a sense, you know, when you're looking at a painting, for example, and it's, you know, it's not about the painting itself. It's about what effect that has on you as a viewer and what the artist was pointing at through 
you know, what, what, what kind of, uh, you know, the particular form of that painting, the way it was displayed, it was all, it, it, it was all, it was coalescing a lot of thoughts and background ideas into an object, but it's, but the object itself is not important. It's, it's the ideas behind it. It's not, it's not the, it's not the, the thing itself. It's the hand that's pointing to it. And, uh, or, or I, I guess, I, yeah, I guess I have that backwards. I think I completely made that, I completely, yeah, I'm just like thinking about it now. I completely, uh, that, uh, quote, which I, I don't remember where I, it's not on the internet somewhere, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the quote, so it, it's not, so the art is not about, so art is a hand pointing to something. Okay, so here it is. So art is a hand pointing to something, right? And everyone, so when you have a controversial piece of art, there's a lot of conflict about some something about the art is controversial. Uh, a lot of times people are are uh, angry about the hand that's pointing at something and they completely miss the thing it's pointing at. That's what it is. So, yeah, so art is not about the hand that's pointing at something. It's what it's pointing at. So when you're looking at a piece of artwork, that thing, the ideas behind it, the idea behind it is that this is a way of directing your thinking towards something, right? So the art, the artistic work is directing your mind towards something. And if you get upset about the form that that hand, that metaphorical hand takes, you're missing the big, the, the point of it. You're missing the bigger picture. And that, that can be problematic because for an artist, you know, controversy can be a good thing because it can create a discussion, but if the controversy is about the form of the art itself and uh, not about like what it's trying to say, uh, maybe it loses some of the impact that was, uh, that it could have had if people saw this and they were like, whoa, this is crazy. This is wild. This is challenging me as a viewer, but it's also made me aware of this other thing that it's pointing at. It's, it, it's directing my thinking towards this other thing. And now, and like, that's the bigger thing. It's like, what, you know, that's the thing we should be maybe discussing, right? Just food for thought, something to think about. But yeah, I did flub that quote earlier. So art is not about the hand pointing. It's about the thing it's pointing to. And, a lot, and the form that the art takes is the hand pointing. So don't get hung up on the hand pointing at something. But then again, the quality of that hand, you know, the, 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 the preciseness with which it points at its target. And, uh, you know, that, that is, that is also up for discussion, you know, uh, art, uh, yeah, when you're critiquing art, you're critiquing the form of it, but also and the ideas behind it, and whether those 
are matched up, whether you know the form is actually detracting from the message or if it's uh, contributing to it. That's another thing as well. So yeah, so we've uh, we've had a pretty wide-ranging discussion here about art, uh, about writing and storytelling. Uh, And uh, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I, I came in here not really, uh, not really knowing, not, not really planning on saying any of this. Uh, of course, uh, I, I host these Saturday these jams to do improv with people to come in. But at some point, I decided, you know, like at some point, I, I thought to myself. You know, I, you know, I host these every week. People's schedules are different. And like, you know, it's like every week, it's like a new group of people, usually. So it's like, people's schedules are syncing up in different ways or lining up. Sometimes they're in phase. Sometimes, they, you know, people show up. Sometimes they don't. So when that's happening, when you when it's sort of like a a random thing that's out of your control, uh, it did make me think, what would happen if nobody showed up? Because I, I, I'm not, I don't, well, hopefully, well, I mean, hopefully, if anybody's out there that uh, uh, isn't showing up because of, of something I did, like if I can, if I can do a better job hosting these, then of course, let me know. Uh, I don't know if that's what, if that's the reason, if people are just aren't having fun, but I'm going to choose to believe it's probably more, well, I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know. But, uh, you know, as far as I know, people do show up for these things and they seem to have fun, I guess. Uh, but it, let's say it's not that. And it's more like people's schedules just didn't line up, right? So, yeah, so I did wonder, like, what if everybody's schedules line up in a certain way where nobody shows up? Because, you know, some people show up on some, some days, some people show up on other days. And what if it's just that just happens and, like, nobody shows up? And I it seems like that's happening today. I don't know. There still could be someone that shows up. But I did wonder about that. I did think about, like, you know, I can't control. There's no, there's you know, there's, I don't want anyone to feel obligated to come here. I want people to only come here when they feel like it's something that they want to do and that they and it's something they're doing for fun and uh and that it's uh you know it's not not causing any stress to them like it's like it's not eating away at uh the time they have to do something that's more important because ultimately this, this isn't this shouldn't be like really that important for people like it should just be something they do casually for fun that's what this is that's why it's a jam it's a saturday jam you know it's not like a class or or like a, some, something i don't know it's well even if it was a class even if it was a class like somebody oh didn't come in oh ooh, somebody came in hey uh hello jason can you hear me uh yeah nice Welcome. I was rambling to myself. I don't know how much of that you caught, but uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't catch anything. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, J- Jason, it's been a while, Jason. Yeah. I've been um, I've just been not. I I love to come to more of these. It's just in the middle of the day for me. <laughs> uh, middle of the day. Middle. Or what uh, what time zone are you in? I'm in a uh, mountain time zone. Uh, mountain. Mountain time. Yeah. Do you you do you know Steve? Yeah, I know Steve. Okay. Okay. I'm in a place in mind what I remember about you, but yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah. It, you know, middle of the day on a Saturday. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's, it, maybe it doesn't, it's not the right, uh, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the right feel for improv, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but Hey, you know, I'm, you know, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you, you, you could come in. I, you know, I was, I was actually, so I, I was like, you know, sort of filling time and I was, uh, I, I was like talking, uh, well, right when you came in, I was talking about how, you know, um, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, 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 I keep these Saturday jams open for anybody that wants to come in. And like, I was basically saying like, even if nobody shows up, I'm okay with that because I, it's like, you know, I, that, that's like, I want to like have this available uh, for people. Uh, but hey, you're here now, and uh, um, yeah. So I, I, so actually, er, the earlier in the jam, er, er, I was talking about, uh, I was talking about um, storytelling, and uh, uh, what. So I was talking about like how sometimes when people uh, like in movies and books and stuff, sometimes uh, things happen in a story that doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) or like you as an audience member are thinking like hey that was really weird Uh, or maybe it comes off as really fake and corny and forced um yeah i was curious jason what are what are your thoughts on that what are your thoughts on like when you're watching a movie what about a particular event or something a character does like pulls you out of the story and makes you think like it just doesn't feel real or believable. Yeah. Well, this might be the wrong direction, but like what you're making me think about is actually uh, the absurdest things that happen in some stories or some like mm. Donald Glover's work is a great example where yeah. uh, like just there'll be high drama and then just some very, very, some very weird thing happens. Um, <laughs> I was I was just I was just on a run actually before this and um I I had one of those things happen in my life. I was just I was just running on the trail and this this lady was running at me with her dog and the dog sees me and then turns around and just like books it and then runs just nonstop the other direction without without looking back at all. And it was just mm. it was just like one of those absurdest things. I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. But that's always kinda cool. I don't know, it, like, it stands out. Um, but like stories or I'm having a hard time thinking of examples of like stories where you're looking at it and it's like, oh, it's fake. That takes me out of the story. Mm. Uh, well, well, what you were saying about uh, like absurdist things and like Donald Glover's work and stuff. It, it, and uh, it, that actually makes me. So, uh, you know, one thing I, I was considering is this 
is like if something weird happens or absurd happens um you know i i feel like the author the storyteller has to do a little bit of work to get the audience to uh to, I, I don't know like or, 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 or there has to be something about the tone of it that um makes it work if that makes sense or i, I don't know what, what do, do you feel like there's some there's something something that you have to do to make absurd things work with a story um you know i don't know is it like maybe like a pattern of of it of things happening or i don't know <laughs> yeah like like what like what what makes those things like like i i've, I've definitely seen absurdist kind of things done poorly you know where it's like you just kind of roll in your eyes like oh this person just got out of art school or you know like it's sort of like it, it like it feels wrong somehow like it's not it's not done in a way that that i don't know yeah but other times it's like wow that's really clever or wow that was that's funny or, or you know whatever like um i don't know do you feel like there's like a w w there's something you can pinpoint that kind of separates good from bad in that space i mean w one of the one of the things like where there's a good crossover with comedy is just not having enough of a like a good base reality um just like too mm. much of the absurd stuff i'm actually like not a fan of like terry gilliam stuff personally because it's just like mm. sometimes so weird that it's just boring i'm just like i just can't connect with anything in this um mm. that that's that's something sometimes that that works mm. out but like i don't know I I find like dream sequences in movies can sometimes just like strike me as boring. Just there's no like mm. real thread there, even though like all of it is like fantastical and seemingly interesting. I'm like, ah, this I don't know. I'm bored. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. So is it so is is it the lack of um, rules and structure to ground it? You know, it's sort of like uh, just like th it's, it's, it's sort of like things are just happening, and it's like there's kind of like nothing to hold on to there. Or yeah, I think I do think that that's an important part is like having a model of the world that you're in. Like, mm -hmm. what is what is this? Where am I? What are the rules here? And then when something absurd comes in, is like questions your expectations. It's it's funny or surprising. It's cool. Um, but also, I, I think that that something absurd coming in, like bring some contrast and some intrigue as well. So I think both of those are key aspects. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely a balancing act, I guess. Uh, it, or yeah, it, it seems like from what you're saying that yeah, there's there's like a. It's like if you push it too far in either direction, it's either it, it, I guess it can be boring either way, right? Like you you you. You have too many weird things going on. Uh, it's boring. It's just you know, and then it's like not enough weird things going on. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's a very fine balancing act if you're going to go in that direction. I guess. Yeah. I mean, me personally, uh, like, I'll notice that I'm not like a huge fan of like short form improv a lot of the time because a lot of it, I don't know, maybe totally done short form improv where it's just people trying to be as loud and brash and wild as possible a lot of the time.
time. Like I like mm. to see something like play out and then you have something that's really funny. Um, mm. And that's, yeah. I don't know, that's like, that's kind of the difference between like a hack sitcom that like <laughs> is, is really stupid or like weird variety show and like one of those more, you know, theoretically high class comedies where the, where the humor just like comes at you suddenly in, in a well-formed mm. drama or I think like 30 Rock is a good example. Um, a lot of the jokes, yeah. they like hit you slowly, like that comes out and then they're like, oh, that was, that was, and then you just like are laughing at it after the fact. Whereas like, yeah. uh, I don't know examples of like hacky comedy, but whatever's on <laughs> TBS probably. Um. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, that, that, that's, 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 uh, yeah, I think that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, yeah, the, like, like the, the, that sort of, uh, impulse to just sort of cover up, like, inconsistencies or kind of poor structure in story, uh, narrative and, stuff is you know it's like you just cover that up with just being loud you know or just having just zany characters or whatever um but yeah it's not as satisfying ultimately uh than yeah um than actually having that uh well thought out punchline uh <laughs> uh yeah yeah well yeah well yeah thanks for uh expounding on this with me a little bit uh i i had an idea for a, a game um based on something i was uh, thinking about earlier uh maybe we can do it to warm up and then maybe if if uh you're up for it we can get into some long form uh yeah, yeah? cool cool um uh, so my idea for this game so so i was talking about um how uh when something happens in a story uh that uh would would like if it happened in real life or if if you were in that situation if you feel like oh i wouldn't do that uh then the the storyteller has to find a way to justify that event with the world that story and i was thinking of like i was trying to come up with like different like i was sort of trying to do like bullet points of different ways to justify a, a seemingly nonsensical or illogical event. And um, the categories I came up with off the top of my head were uh, relationship, like, it, like it, it could be like a character relationship that justifies it. Uh, it could be the personality of the character that justifies it. Uh, it could be the world itself, the rules of the world itself. Um, it could be past events. Uh, which is kind of related to the other other categories, but it's sort of like, well, it's like something weird happens, and then it's like, why did they do that? And then it's like, oh, there's a flashback that explains, it's like, oh, now we know why this character thinks that way or whatever. Uh, and then supernatural is another category. Uh, I, and I was saying, like, should probably be careful with that one because uh, if the only justification for something is that it was just magic, that's that's kind of lazy and cheap <laughs> like uh kind of goes along with what you were saying with the with dream sequences and stuff uh 
and then tone was the other one. And I think that actually ties in really well with what you were saying with absurdist stuff is like, if there's a, if the tone of this, of this story has, you know, can account for a little bit of weirdness, um, you know, the audience won't get disconnected uh, as easily and they can still follow what's going on. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so, <laughs> so all that to say, basically the idea for the story is uh Maybe we can go back and forth a couple of times. Uh, you know, each of us can come up with a scenario, like some like some event that happens in a story, uh, something that you wouldn't expect, and then the other person can maybe come up with two or three reasons that that would justify why that happened, or or, or why that would make sense in that world. And uh, the example, I'll, I'll just quickly give you an example. So the example I came up with was somebody wins a million dollars in the lottery and then they offer to to split it with someone no strings attached and the other person turns it down um and i was saying saying like oh what what could possibly justify that and like well maybe it's their character dynamic maybe this person hates that other person and doesn't want to feel like they owe them anything or maybe they think it's a trick or something or maybe uh it's just the personality of the character maybe they hate material things and they they don't want they don't want money because they, they think it'll bring them problems uh or it could be something within this world where like having a lot of money makes you a target for something uh you know those are just yeah those are just some examples but yeah basically um it's like working backwards from an, from an event and trying to justify it within the within a story uh, if that makes sense does that make sense yeah yeah okay yeah so working backwards and justifying an event so uh let's okay so i'll start with an example here uh let me see I'll, let me let me give you an event and then yeah if you could just yeah come up with a couple of ways to justify it so let's say uh somebody uh <laughs> oh now yeah now now it's hard to think of like things that are unexpected uh let's say somebody uh somebody uh somebody that owns the farm uh instead of planting seeds they plant rocks in the soil like they they knowingly plant rocks in the soil what could justify this? They uh, they really just, I mean, there's one where they really think that they're it's going to grow boulders. They're a big rock climber. <laughs> um, they plant rocks in the soil uh, because they want they're going to file insurance. They're going to commit insurance fraud. Uh. Yeah. They have been planting stuff in the soil for all this time, so they're doing the due diligence. Um, mm-hmm. They don't want any uh, kids playing on their lawn. Um, so they just want it to be really rough for them. Um, and then one that I I think this is a this is a cheat way, and I think you can do it every once in a while. But you can say things like. Oh, they're Mormons. Like it doesn't make any sense. 
Like, I think no, you have to do that too often, but like sometimes you can do that. Yeah. No, that, no, that's good. That's good. No, and it makes sense. Yeah, like yeah, you can sprinkle in just a, <laughs> just a, a non sequitur, and just yeah. No, those are great. Um, I think yeah, I, th I think those could all work really well in a story, and like depending on which justification you use, it would, you know, change the tra trajectory of like how how the story went and stuff. So yeah, yeah, very cool. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So, how about why don't you give me some kind of unexpected event that I can justify? Yeah. So, uh, this guy's on on an anniversary date with his girlfriend, and mm -hmm. the gift that he gives her is uh, it's an old shoe. Nice. Okay. So I think, okay, so one could be uh, this was a spe very special shoe to to the guy who got, who received it. He, maybe he, uh, yeah, so maybe this is like when he was a kid, he won uh, a he 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 won a track and field tournament uh but then uh he he lost his shoe uh uh in an accident and she and she fouled the shoe and that was i don't know <laughs> or may, or maybe like he had a maybe his relative he had an old his great great grandfather ran in in the olympics in 1936 in Nazi Germany. <laughs> this was his old running shoe. It's a family heirloom. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe this is a magic shoe. Oh, here I am using the cheap trick of magic, but like maybe he has the other shoe and, but you need both of them to get magic running powers uh and uh last one uh maybe this is her way of telling him the relationship is over because she's turning the other foot uh <laughs> and that, that's that's what, and maybe it would make more sense because of a flashback. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's what I got. Um, yeah, I yeah. It's interesting, right? When you bring bring an object into play and bring a lot of attention to it, you can hmm. get a lot of stories out of it. Sound like you go a lot of ways with that one. Like, why is it meaningful to us? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, like. Good gift. It, like I, I notice that in in movies sometimes where, um, where like a character will will put a lot of like like one thing that's frustrating frustrating about some movies is like a character might put a lot of attention into a particular object, but then it's never explained why. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> like. Uh, 
yeah or, or like you, you'll like notice somebody will be like or like the camera will particularly cut to somebody looking at something and then you and then there's all these things in your mind like oh like what does this mean to this person like why are they looking at that ring or why are they looking at that chair or that empty chair or what you know and like uh but then like some movies never explain it and it's like what <laughs> maybe you know maybe that got maybe they had to cut it out maybe when they were editing they had to cut out something or i, I don't know <laughs> Uh, yeah, like there was a, I'm, I'm particularly remem remembering, uh, the movie Suicide Squad, where there was a character, the captain wing, that there was a character who had like a stuffed, uh, toy, I think it was a unicorn, if I remember correctly, and like it, it, it like, like it kept coming up, the, the stuffed unicorn, and you, and you think like, oh, they're going to do something with this, but then they never did, but then you realize, and then I heard later, like, there was a deleted scene where he had the stuffed unicorn in his jacket and like it, it deflected a bullet or something, but they had to cut that scene out. So, so like, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That's not entirely related to what you were saying, but it just makes me think of like, yeah, you, 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 you people are, are so primed to feel like an object might be important to somebody for some reason that it, you, yeah. you, your mind will just, fill in the blanks and try to figure out what's going on. But then, yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, think, I think it's a great tool for uh, coming up with ideas. One of the things I really like about justifications is it turns like creating the story into a puzzle. Like how can we move this forward mm. situation that this guy is just walking around with this unicorn? How could this unicorn be important to his life? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, like, um, and I, I guess, I mean, you probably know, but like, it, it, this probably goes back to the, uh, was it Alfred Hitchcock or somebody who said something like, if, if there's, if there's, if you show a shotgun, yeah, it, it has sure. to be fired, yeah, or something. The gun, the first act gun thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't remember exactly how it's phrased, but yeah, it's like the gun has to go off in the. Okay, like in the third act, maybe I guess. Yeah. So yeah, if you show it in the first act, it has to go off in the third act. That might be it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, the way. Yeah, I think. Uh, and like the yeah the MacGuffin, the whole trope of the MacGuffin, uh, where you just have an object that everyone wants or something, but you you know it's not the object itself that's important. It's like, like this. It can be anything. I guess. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting interesting stuff there um uh yeah i think that was a pretty good warm-up i i think uh you know uh i think maybe we can maybe talk about uh how we can start our long form set here uh yeah do you, so um do you have any uh i mean i, I have i have a few things we we could potentially use, but do, do you have any like favorite ways of starting up a long form scene uh, or like establishing uh, the setup for it? Favorite ways? <laughs> well, I already yeah, said it. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know if I have favorites. Like, I like monologues. Um, that's a good yeah. Um, I think it's fun to experiment. Um, 
Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't like a lot of the traditional. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, I, yeah, no, I, I only ask because I'm, I'm always curious to hear, you know, especially, um, you, know, you know, like people have different backgrounds in improv and like people pick up different ways of doing it. So I'm always curious to hear uh, if people have like a certain way that I've, you know, never seen before. Or, or even if I have, just sort of seeing what people like to do. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think we can maybe. Let's see. I, you know, I, uh, we, I, we talked a little bit about like world building. Um, I think one way I like to do, I like to start off an improv set is by uh, just doing uh, scene painting. If you've heard of that before, where uh, basically we just sort of just like collectively describe a scene like we describe some you know an imaginary setting and you know maybe not talking well yeah like not talking too much yet about story but like creating the opportunities for story with what's happening you know what we see like for example it might be like we see a parking lot and there's a, a red car uh with the headlights on and then someone else can say at the end of the parking lot, there is a, a bench with someone sleeping on it or, you know, or, you know, I, I don't know, something like that. And it's like, we just kind of go back and forth a few times. And then if, and then when someone feels the inspiration to start a scene, instead of just, instead of, you know, when it's instead of just giving another detail about the world, you can just come in as a character and just sort of start a scene. And then the next person can just play off of that. And then you can just sort of start the long form that way. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Or yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to actually give us a, just, just to give us something, I'm going to put a few random suggestion words out just, uh, just to give us uh, something to play off of as we describe this setting. So we have lazy poncho liners, dishonest and sympathy. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll let you start if you want to like, just give one detail about this world. Lazy poncho liners, dishonest, sympathy. Oh yeah, you don't have to use those, by the way. That's just no. I, I'm, I'm looking at it. yeah. Getting <laughs> yeah, 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 get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we see we see oh, an old west saloon with lots of decrepit decrepit windows and bottles strewn hmm. about outside nice uh next to the saloon uh there is a there is like a like a feeding trough or like a like a water trough for horses and there's a there's a group of horses and like most of them are really sickly looking emaciated horses but there's one one strong shiny black horse with a with silver like a silver uh harness and saddle uh among these sickly horses and you can see a leg sticking out of the drinking trough uh, uh, some some person has uh, fallen in or fallen asleep, and they're missing their boots. 
we see that it's uh it's almost high noon and uh there's uh there's tumbleweeds going across the the road in front of the saloon and uh and it, there's like there's a tense atmosphere as, as if people are waiting for something to happen Across, across from the saloon, we see a group of children gathered in anticipation and chit-chatting with excitement. Uh, we see those children are also, um, uh, they have like money, uh, or yeah, they're like, they have they have like money and little little like bottle caps and little things that it seems like they're placing bets. And we see a gentleman dressed in all black burst through the saloon doors, well groomed with the finest longest mustache you've ever seen. Oh, there he is. The man in black himself. You sure? You sure reckon, Billy? I don't think this is the time that he's gonna. He's not gonna survive this time. Well, I I don't know about that, Jeb the Dyer. I think I got all my money on the man in black. I mean, look at him. Look how good he looks, and he's wearing all black. He must be hot as hell. Well, yeah, it's going to get him sweaty. Scruffy ain't lost a fight that I ever heard of. Uh, well, at least not when he's sober. Ah, Scruffy's overrated. I heard I heard Scruffy's been drinking all day today. He's not even going to be able to hold his gun straight. Well, I heard Scruffy had two bottles of whiskey in one sentence, and then he shot the whole dang McAfee gang. Well, I think what you heard is fake news, because I heard that their McAfee, they all just tripped over and fell down into a gulch. Well, I, I reckon it was a, a trap set by old Scruffy, I bet you. Uh, he's, uh, he's got some clever ways about him. Oh, that's Scruffy. I mean, where is he? I mean, I, I saw him walk into the saloon. I never saw him... I mean, I I didn't even, actually didn't even see him walking through the door. I wonder if he got lost on the way. <laughs> this scruffy knows that saloon. I've never seen him more than two hundred feet from that saloon. I'm sure he knows his way about there. I tell you what. Well, I'm I'm just gonna say, all you kids here, we're gonna, you know, this it's almost high noon now. And so if you're going to ante up, if you're going to place your bets, now's the time to do it. Final bet. Final call for bets. Where is he? Where's that darn fool think he can stand up to me? Uh, oh, uh, uh, Mr. Black, sir. Uh, uh, well, we, we've been looking for him, too, sir. 
Uh, don't call me. Call me Mr. Man, would you kindly? <laughs> oh, oh, so, sorry, Mr. Man. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just want to say I, I'm your, I'm your biggest fan. You're, you, you, I, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna kill that scruffy dead today. I don't need you to tell me what I am or what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to kill him. And where is he? Oh, sorry. Sorry, sir. Uh, oh, well, uh, hey, uh, I don't know. Where, wait, wait a minute. Is that a leg sticking up out of that trough over there? That... Oh, God. Oh, look at that fool. You you kids go over there and you wake him up. You rouse him well. He's gonna die today. Oh, oh, go oh, all right. Uh, I mean, I I feel like I'd kind of be an accessory to murder at that point. I I mean I I have no qualms about betting on man's death, but like actively participating. I mean that just seems like another thing. Uh, look, kid. <clears throat> Maybe I'm gonna give this uh number one fan badge to someone else today oh oh, oh no, no sir no sir mr man i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'll go wake him up right now here we go come on boys let's go let's go wake let's go wake scruffy up so he can die today oh man uh, uh scruffy Who said that? Who said that? Uh, Scruffy, um, man, man in black's here to kill you. You know, you should probably get up out of that trough. How do I, how do I get, how do, who put me here? How do I get here? Whoever. The man in black. Oh, the man in black, I remember now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going there. Where is he? Where is that? No, fool. Scruffy, Scruffy, I love you. Don't, don't fight him. Just stay in the trough. Please, please, baby. Oh, no, no. I don't go. I'm, I'm, I'm a many things, but I am no coward. <laughs> I mean, I am, but I mean, I'm also too stupid. For my own good, you know what I mean, boys? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, honey, you, you are a coward. <laughs> she had a fight all the time, just one more time. The man in black, he's so scary. So, and I got one piece of advice for you, all right? In this world, you can either be really brave or you can be really stupid. And most people can't tell the difference from a distance, you know what I mean? It's kind of the same thing. And you can take a guess on which one I am, because I'm going to fight that man in black. I got to I gotta hunker in to pull my trigger finger. Hmm, yeah. yeah, we all know that you're stupid. Trust me, that's why we love you so much. Oh, I don't, I'm not looking for your love, child. I'm just looking for some, for, uh, some alcohol, you know. If I... If I win this uh, shootout, you know, everybody's going to buy me a round of drinks, as is tradition. Oh, so, uh, yeah, let's, uh, 
all I need to get me through the day. Ruffy, no one's no one's in the saloon. They're all out here for the shootout. You can get free drinks right now. You just don't fight them. Oh, free drinks without fighting? Home. Oh. Well, tell me more, little boy. How how you think you think you could create a distraction while I sneak in there? You can step away from that man. Oh, he is coming out in the street right now, and he's going to die. Oh, well, I guess, I guess there goes that plan. Uh, oh, what happened to my boot? I'm missing a boot. Son, you know where my boot is? Well, sure, Scruffy, you was, you was drinking out of it as part of a bet, and then you strapped yourself to that donkey, and well, I should think, I should think your boot's probably... Probably halfway across the county by now. It's still on that donkey. Oh, I knew that. Couldn't trust that donkey. Oh, I told him to hold it for me until I woke up. Okay. Son, I got a second piece of advice for you. Never trust an ass. Okay? A jackass. You hear that, uh, you hear that kid? Don't trust this jackass. <laughs> Get out of the way and let me fight him. Oh, oh, Mr. Mr. Black, I mean, Mr. Manser, you, you got, this, this is going to be a real, real good shootout. I can tell her to tell. Oh, man. Maybe you should make it a little more interesting. Maybe you should, like, maybe, I think it'd be a little too easy for you. Maybe you should, like, do a little bit of a handicap so that it's not so easy for you. I just feel like it's beneath you at this point to try to shoot a man in this state. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, kid, I have been looking for a challenge. Um, why, yeah. why don't you go parlay with Mr. Scruffy uh, with his kid and you two can walk out. <laughs> oh, boy. Are you saying I'm going to be representing you on your behalf, sir? I, I wouldn't go a full half. Maybe you're on my quarter, so let's let's not oh. go too far. Oh, know? it's 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 an honor to be to be a any fraction of a of a b on your behalf. The all right, quarter. all right, all right. Get on with it. Get on. With it. Oh, oh, all right, sir. Yeah. Oh. I'll do my calisthenics uh, for the big fight. Oh, he's so, oh, he's so strong. Oh. All right, Jebediah, you heard what the man said, and we got a parlay. Well, I, uh, I think, I think to make this whole thing fair, um, the Mister Man in Black needs to remove, um, one of his boots, first, first item. Oh. Um. But that 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 is disrespectful. I mean, look look at his silver spurs. You you tell oh. Okay. But well, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It should be It requires a man of skill to be shooting drunk and with one boot. And if Mr. Black can't do that, um I uh, he's just not up to the task. Okay. No, he's he's up to it all right. He's go he, all right. Okay. He'll take I'll I'll talk with him. He'll take off one boot. All right. What a, what no, no, item number two. Um, now, Scruffy has a permanent handicap in that 
he has never bathed. Um, so his stench just follows him everywhere it goes. Um, mm -hmm, now, Mr. Black, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Black, if he were to have to deal with his stench at the same time, that might even the playing field a little bit. I mean, Jebediah, I feel like I feel like a scruffy stench over there is is enough for the both of them. If if you know what I mean, I can smell it from over here. Well, walk a little closer. Nobody has the smell as bad as Scruffy. Can you believe what it's like being close to him? That's that's why I wear this plug on my nose every day. Oh dang, is that why you wear it? I was I thought it was more of a fashion statement. <laughs> it is my signature look, but I tell you what. I, God, it gets real sore. It gets real sore. Now that's, no, no, I'm thinking, Billy. That's a good idea. Maybe they both wear nose plugs. Nose pins. Huh. What the clothes pin on your nose is a nose pin. Okay, well, normally I'd be against something like that, but it, what seeing seeing how you wear it, it does look mighty fashionable on you, and I think it would look mighty fine right in front of Mr. Mr. Black's mustache, Mr. Man's mustache. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to say it's a handicap. I'm just going to say it's going to make, make a real fashion. No, it, it prevents, it prevents them from smelling any funny business that the other's hooking up. So it's, it even mm. the same field, even the same field. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I want to move on to another point. Um, oh, lower the here it comes. A little bit. Um, all right, mm -hmm. Billy. I want to see about making an arrangement with you. What? What kind of arrangement? So, Mr. Scruffy, he, when he's had a lot of drinks, he don't know too well how to operate his his pistol. Um, and if mm -hmm. you know if someone was to maybe remove the firing pin from his pistol, what sort of a uh, what sort of a uh, you know incentive might that person receive? Oh, now Jebediah, now. That doesn't sound so much as a handicap as it sounds like a kind of a willfully throwing yourself to the to the wolves. You, you know, kind of, it's kind of like not it's not just a challenge. It's like making it impossible. Jebediah. No, I don't think you understand, Billy. There was no wolves. What I was saying was I removed the firing pin from his gun, and then Mr. Black would shoot him and win. Guaranteed. Uh, oh. Oh, I see where, I see where you're coming from now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I feel like it would be a little unsportsmanlike. But I mean, I do want to see Mr. Black, uh, you know, get his uh, get his winnings. So uh, I'm gonna have to say, 
maybe we could work something out. Now, now I'm not. No, now, Billy, I'm not doing. I'm not making this arrangement for free. I want you to understand. I've seen that coin purse you're hefting around. I see the limp you have from how it throws you off balance. I'm just suggesting you put a bet on Mr. Mr. Black, uh, and you promised me, uh, let's say, I'll be generous, 99% of the winning. Hmm, 99%. I mean, I don't know a lot about math, but uh, <laughs> uh, we, 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 we suddenly see... Uh, we cut to the uh we see the saloon doors swing open uh and, and scruffy walks out oh thank you okay all right well son i took your advice and i uh i just went in the saloon because nobody was in there and i just drank a lot i just drank a lot in there um yeah yeah while everybody was waiting for me to come out i was in there drinking <laughs> Now that's a good. That's what we call high noon. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's why we love you. That's why we love you, Mr. Scruff. That's right. That's right. Okay. Now why'd I come out here again? Why am I here? Why am I here? Oh, right. What are you? Are we going to? It's it's not high noon anymore. It's not high noon anymore. It's now it's high four p.m. It's Slightly off kilter. Uh, yeah, well, uh, thanks for waiting up for me. <laughs> yeah, glad uh, uh, well, I guess I, I, I mean, I, I could have just, I could have just went out the back door of the saloon, you know. I could have just ran off, but I came back. I, I've been watching. I got my boys out back. You don't worry. I've been sitting here looking like a fool for nigh on two hours with this clothespin on my nose and one boot. And you come out here drinking. You've been drinking your life away. Well, tell you what. Uh, it was your last meal. So you better have enjoyed it. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I know... I know with daylight savings time, there's only two hours between high noon and 4 p.m. And uh, I, I'm sorry you had to wait that long. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, uh, well. Alrighty, alrighty, fellers, gather around. We got the duel of the day. Our main event. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Scruffy, the local legend of the tavern. This man drank his whiskey, and then he ate the bottle, too, and he had to go number two after that. It was not a good sight. Anyways, all right, Mr. Scruffy McGee. And and down, down to the east, our visitor and well-known, the renowned Mr. Man in Black, famous for have killing, having killed at least 75 of the top 100 most wanted men in our little, little county. <laughs> Mr. Man in Black, it's an honor. It's an honor to meet you, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's, uh, let's, 
let the duel begin. Um, I, I suppose we all know how this works. Um, generally, they're going to uh, walk a few paces and shoot each other, I, I suppose. Is, is that right? Is that, is that right, Tomcat? Ladies and gentlemen, my color commentator, could you could you provide a little more insight? Uh, that's uh, that's uh, right there. Uh, we got we're gonna we're looking at uh, we're looking at a classic duel. Uh, you know, Wild West rules. Uh, you know, San Antonio rules. If, if, if as you were, uh, of course. As you know, uh, in San Antonio rules shootoffs, we also have uh, the parlay. Uh, the parlay, where representatives from both sides offer terms of the shootout. Uh, if there are any handicaps, if there are any limitations on how they can shoot their opponent. Uh, well, yeah. Tomcat, now, most duels, they take place at high noon. It's, it's, it's nigh on 4 p.m. What are the implications of that? Well, uh, as we know, uh, if this shootout goes into overtime and it is past sunset, uh, then we go into, uh, we go into, uh, 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 <laughs> We go into nighttime. The nighttime rules will take effect. Uh, in that case, it essentially becomes a free-for-all uh, where everyone in the town uh, basically picks a side, and it's basically uh, everyone just goes after uh, the one that they are against. Okay, so it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of a... You know, I, 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 I'd hate to see it go into overtime, but I'd also love to see it because I love the sport. I love the sport. Now, speaking speaking of sport, Tomcat, let me let me uh let me mention our sponsor, Doctor Tabernash's Snake Oil. <laughs> now, for all your ailments, please visit Doctor Tabernash's Snake. It fixes it fixes a big toe. Fixes little toe, fixes hairy toe, mangled toe, any toe ailment you have. God, my wife loves this stuff, Tomcat. She takes it into the into the bathroom with her. She's in there for hours. I don't even know what she's doing, but she loves it. Oh, I I love I love this snake oil as well. I use it uh, every day, and I uh, and I think. You know, it it helped me grow my hair back. You know, I was bald, and now look at me. This is this is it's a, it's amazing, folks. You know, you know, Tomcat, you got. You know, I thought it was hay on your head that you just kind of glued on there, but uh, nope. you know what? It looks nope. better than it did before. It looks it's all the snake oil. Yep. It, I tell you what, Doctor Tabernash is snake oil for all your hair. Tabernash, nearly all of them, and uh. Uh, now, now come back, come back from our, from our, you know, sponsored break. Then, <laughs> you know, I would, I would advertise Dr. Tabernash snake oil for free, uh, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. luckily I don't have to. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. he pays us well. He pays us well. He pays us well. Um, so, as we 
get closer to this duel. What's going on in these two fellas' heads right now, Tom Cat? Oh, I, uh, I I have to say, uh, I I feel like the man in black. I mean, the man in black. Can can we just talk for a moment about the man's strategy, strategic mind, and the way he thinks about things? The you know, he's obviously gotten. He has his his uh, guns in his holster. He has ammo to reload. Uh, I think he has been practicing all boarding. Uh, I, I saw him out uh, out on the Featherman's Ranch uh, shooting bottles all morning, uh, and I'm sure he uh, he's in good form. Uh, on the other hand, I'm looking at Scruffy, and I'm thinking there's probably isn't a single thought in the man's head. I think he is. Uh, I, I think he's uh, well out of his league here. Uh, but you know he's pulled off upsets before, so uh, it's it's any man's game. Of course, what Tomcat is referring to is the is the famous the famous art six battle between Scruffy and Jimmy Jones. Now Jimmy Jones, oh, yeah. undefeated, undefeated, yeah, not seven feet tall. He came in, and ah, people thought he was gonna tear up Scruffy, and turns out. Being seven feet tall is a disadvantage in the duel. It's a disadvantage. Scruffy, Scruffy shot him up. Yep. Makes he a bigger him target. He shot him up. Yeah. And now, and you know, Scruffy, he's a, he, he always thinks, you always think he's gonna, he's not gonna make it through, but he does. He does. If, if Scruffy has one skill, it is probably luck. He's got luck in spades. He sure does. Now, all right, we're we're, we're approaching kickoff, step off. Um, now, the man in black, he's agreed to some very. He is really giving in to the terms from the parlay. Uh, you see, he's he's obstructing his uh, sense of smell. Uh, yeah. uh, Toget, is that is that gonna hurt him today? Uh well I feel like uh you know I I mean as as uh as the man in black was uh, walking up to his uh uh up to up to his firing position I did have to catch a whiff uh, uh he he is wearing some mighty fine cologne uh I think I think really the advantage it might actually offer him an advantage because he won't be able to smell scruffy uh out there. Uh, I, I, you know, I, but so to be honest, I'm not sure how much the man in black uses his sense of smell over his sight when he is shooting. But, uh, you know, I suppose there could be an argument made that handicapping any of his senses could put him at a disadvantage. But again, uh, I believe Scruffy has the more uh, unpleasant odor, uh, as it were. Oh, Tomcat! Very, very interesting points, Tomcat. You never know. F- duels famously happening during the daytime. Now we don't have to rely on your sense of smell to find some. Uh, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you never know. You never know. Now, Tomcat, as we approach, uh, step off. This is where there's a hush all over the crowd, including the announcer. Gentlemen, <clears throat> please uh, 
please uh, face your opponent. Uh, make Chris. sure. You uh, who said that? Who? Where am I looking at? This man, sir, sir, you are in a duel. Uh, please, please face your opponent. In, in, in black, Mr. Uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to find my my boot. Where's my, where my boot go? Where it go, Mr. Scruffy? Uh, you are. You got my boot. Those, that's my boot. You're wearing my boot. You're wearing my boot over top of your boot. I can tell. No, no, Mr. Scruffy. No, Mr. Scruffy. I'm wearing loafers, as you can see. Loafers. Regardless, Mr. Scruffy, this is we. Your your, your trainer has gone to parlay. Now the man is going to be wearing two boots. Simply face your opponent, shake his pistol, and begin the paces. Do you, gentlemen, do you understand the rules? Yes, yes, sir. Uh, I understand that one of us is going to die today. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. We all die someday. I understand that as well. I'll throw that out there. Yep, today you're gonna. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, just I'm saying someday. Today you, you will die specifically. Oh. Uh huh. In this in this duel. But if but if I don't, I'm still gonna die, eventually. Oh, probably. Yeah, with, within a few hours, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Sometimes, okay. sometimes the bleeding takes a while to bleed out. Yeah. But, uh, all right, gentlemen. It sounds like roughly you uh you understand the rules. Um. So please, uh, please face each other's backs and begin the paces. Um. When I reach the count of ten, this is when you are allowed to turn around and shoot your opponent. You understand? Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm. You know what? I'm. You're gonna have to count to ten for me, cause I. I don't think I can count that high. Yep. 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 Uh, that's totally. Um. That's within the rules. We call that a. We call that a Hampton edition. Um, totally fine, Mr. Man in Black. Do you object? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, Mr. Black. You don't you 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 don't you you're you're the clearly the more skilled skilled opponent even with all them handicaps from the parlay. You you you're gonna you're gonna beat him. I know it. I really kid. I I know this already. I'm just I'm starting to get suspicious of how much you're trying to reassure me here. Um, I got this. All right, gentlemen, get these kids out of here. We are about to start a duel. Um, now, of course, good, great work facing back to back. It's a very surprised at how well this is going. Um, 
May we begin our battle with the uh, let's let's uh let's watch the tumbleweed as the tumbleweed passes. I will begin counting. <laughs> Cut, come a little close. Seems to have gotten caught on caught on that man's leg, sir. Lift your leg, please. All right, here comes the tumbleweed. Oh. All right, we begin with the paces. One, two. Three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, this is so exciting. Eight, I've never seen anything like it before. And fire. My, my damn gun's not shooting. Oh, oh, hey, hey, Looky, looky, Lou, what we got here. <laughs> Well, I'll take time to say your prayers, Mr. Who, Man in Black. Who done and tampered with my pistol? Oh, dang, nabbit, my, my pistol didn't fire neither. What is going on? What's going on here? Um, all right, gentlemen, um, I've never seen this before in my life. It's, uh, y'all have drawn, but you haven't fired, so I can't call it a shootout. Should I call it a, a draw? Uh, you tell me you ain't got nothing in that fancy rule book of yours that says we ain't, we can do, we got some alternative way of uh, settling this? know what to do if it's not in the rule book. I never heard of a duel where one person didn't get shot right away. Hey, mister, mister, I got an idea. I got a good idea for you. What we can do about this here duel. Now, Mr. Scruffy, he, he regularly engages in something called a drink-off. Maybe maybe these fellas could drink off each other. Who are you talking to? We talking to me? Uh, talking to man in black? Uh, uh, I'm talking to the referee. I I know he's talking to me. I need to make this <laughs> real quick. <laughs> real quick. Real quick. Well, I tell you, that's a good idea. Y'all come on into the tavern. You can drink. Drinks are only double price in honor of the great first shootout draw. Come on in, fellas. Drink off of the century. And um, attendance, it's a $10 cover charge into the tavern. <laughs> and, of course, the referee gets in for free and gets two free drinks. Well, I tell you what, it's a good idea. I love this idea. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a drink off. Uh, uh, we we see like a crowd of people gathered inside of the saloon or the tavern. Ah, uh, oh my! This is so exciting. I've never I've never seen a a, a a drink off as a way of settling a a, a shoot off before. Oh, I got the vapors. Oh, oh my! 
Uh, we, uh, uh, cut to the back room, uh, tavern owner with young Billy and um, Jebediah. The fellas, this has worked out quite well. You two have earned, you two have earned this $10 each. And of course, $10 on free drink on Saturday. One drink on Saturday for the each. Well, yeah. Oh. yeah, it was a pleasure doing doing business with you, sir, Mister Jebediah, my partner in crime. Get a fella. Yeah, now, right. Now, now you kids get out of here. Now you've had to drink. Yes. Okay. Well, if you ever need any, uh, you know, if you need any other me- uh, methods of. Uh, you know, getting getting uh, getting a crowd of people to come through here. You know who to call. And kids, and make sure, of course, to call me first. And I, I'll, of course, include Jebediah. No. But no, I, I I think you should call me first because we all know I'm the brains of the operation. Well, now Jebediah, I, I seem to recall you thinking it was just. You know, a good idea to pull the pin out of Mr. Scruffy's gun. And this is what's both of them. And now they're both alive and drinking. So, well, yeah, Mr. Uh, I'm the brains here. Uh, oh, 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 Mr. Tabernash. Yeah, uh, I'd say we, we love you. We love your snake oil. No, these kids think that all the time. That's my brother. He makes the snow co- snake oil. I got Tabernacle's Tavern. Uh, oh, no matter what I, I do, I, no matter what I do, I can't beat the cure all ailment. <laughs> Save the nation. Well, I, I feel like since we're kind of like in charge of your marketing now, I, I feel like maybe you need to differentiate the names a little bit more, you know, because he is awful famous with that snake oil. I, it's, how much clearer do I need to make it? Tavern Nash's Snake Tavern? How is that so? How is that so hard to tell from Tavern Nash's Snake Oil? It's totally different. Well, I, you know, I, I, I didn't want to have to tell you this right away. I want, I, I wanted to kind of ease you into it a little bit, but, well, we, we actually, uh, you know, as your head, heads of marketing, we, uh, we called Mr. Ta- Tabernash, uh, your brother. Yeah, I, I get. We I, actually, we didn't know at the time he was your brother, but we, we, we called him. Uh, you know. Because we thought maybe he could do a little sponsorship deal, you know, you could get you could get his get get signed for his snake oil in the window of your saloon. We cut back to the saloon, the the bar, as we see a figure come in. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, it's the Grant, the world's first drink-off. I am so honored to be here. And me, 
Mr. Uh, Arthur P. Oh, Tabernash. Is, is that uh, Mr. Tabernash, the maker of Yes, kind sir. I could see. You could use some snake oil for that acne. Here, have a free sample. Oh. Oh, this is great. Well, I'm glad I, I'm glad I left, I left my farm to come out here today. My lucky day. Oh, yes, fine, sir. Now, please, look away. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have, a, have an issue here. These two men, fine men, they're fighting each other. I think my snake oil might offer a solution. Ooh. I think these two men will settle their differences with just one tablespoon of Tabernacle snake oil. What are you talking about, Mr. Tabernash? I I need not settle my differences. I do it with my pistol. And in this case, my pistol's not working, so I'm drinking. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I say the whiskey is enough for me to solve my problem. <laughs> it, it always worked before. <laughs> now, gentlemen, gentlemen, I haven't proposed the second benefit. Do you know... That great thing that you worry about all hours of the day, your greatest weakness, that beguiles you. This will cure that as well. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I mean, are you talking about that hole in my heart that where I that keeps me up all night, making me think about my purpose in the world and how we're all just little dust mites floating around in space, but dust in the wind. Hither and thither, we flow along with the currents and out to sea where we are one day becoming one with that horizon far across on the other side of that deep ocean. Uh, yeah, yes. Roughly that. Ex exactly. Oh. And, uh, well, I didn't know snake oil could do all that. <clears throat> of course. Of course, it could do anything. Oh. And, uh, you mean it could help me grow hair on my chin? Not just <laughs> Oh, yes. One of the most most common benefit of snakes. Well, I suppose. suppose I could give it a shot. All right, barkeep, give me two shot glasses. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, now I'll pull this finest snake oil. This is this is from my private cellar. This is a this is an R2 snake oil. Uh, you know, barrel age. <laughs> <laughs> you can see. Oh, the aroma is perfect. We we see right right as uh, Mr. Tabardash is is uh is pouring those two glasses of snake oil, and an even more pompous looking figure walks through the the saloon the front saloon doors. Ooh, what do we have here? Oh, Mr. Tabardash. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you're administering your snake oil. How quaint. Uh, 
I suppose the people here haven't heard of Mr. Haberdash's uh, iguana oil. <laughs> uh, oh, that's me. I'm Mr. Haberdash, and I happen to have a bottle of it right now. An Thank even you. more powerful cure. Pay him no mind, ladies and gentlemen. He is merely an iguana oil salesman. He does <laughs> not have oh. an honest bone in his body. Oh, my good sir. You, those are fighting words. If you, if you, you uh, speak ill of my iguana oil, you speak ill of my family. And that, sir, is grounds for calling for a duel. I, I mean, I mean no harm to your family and no violence needed in this scenario. I just really wish we would be more careful no. about not putting each other's business, Mr. Haberdash. Um, well... Mr. Haberdash, I'm actually a, I'm a doctor. I'm Dr. Haberdash. I'm a doctor, and I'm a man of science, and I say I'm going to settle this with violence. Uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Haberdash, I, I am famously a coward who does not like violence. I, I just, what say you to a drink up? I, uh, uh, I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I couldn't hear what you said just then. What was that? Mr. Haberdash, don't make me beg for it, Mr. Haberdash. I'm asking you. Rather than settling our, our, our disagreements with violence and uh, potential likely death, might might we uh, have a drink off? I have a special snake oil concoction we could use. Hmm. Hmm. You offer you offer a strange bargain, sir. Did I? I. I. How about this? Why don't we, why don't we put our oils to the test? I will, we will each administer our oil to one of these drunk gentlemen here. And uh, whoever's oil uh, solves their respective problems is the winner. Well, I have little confidence in anything more than my Nick, well, so you're wrong. Oh, 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 all right. We'll shake on it. Shake? I don't shake my snake oil, sir. I'm I'm quite confused. Uh, you see, you see, ladies and gentlemen, snakes don't have any arms and therefore cannot shake hands. Clear disadvantage. But we'll see whose oil is better now. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm going to wiggle my oil, of course. I'll wiggle <laughs> it. <laughs> Slither it around. Uh, 
all the, all this talk about wiggling. Who who who's oil am I gonna get to drink then? Who? I I would like I would like to request that I have the 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 iguana snake oil. I believe the gentleman, Mister Mister Man in Black, suggested that he wants the snake oil. Mr. Haberdash. Mr. Haberdash. Mr. Haberdash. Well, I, 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 I suppose I could have the iguana snake oil, uh, but uh, the audience. Uh, well, all right. I, I guess I'll get the old-fashioned, uh, old-fashioned. Uh, Tried and true. Uh, yeah. Yes, tried and true. I'll have tried and true as well. I'll, I'll make it a double. Make it. <laughs> Mr. Habedesh, I'm not sure I understand who's getting which oil. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I think I lost track of it as well, but, um, uh, no, so be it. This is a. You're no man of science like I am. You don't understand the nuances of the scientific method. I mean, it's all very, it's all very scientific. You see, and they'll just drink it, and then we'll see exactly which one is is which, and it it will all make sense once it actually happens. Yeah, your feeble mind could not could not partake in what uh, in the conclusions that can be drawn. I'm sure. Yes. I'm quite confused by this situation, Mr. Habergash. We merely need to choose one left or the right. I choose the right. I'll apply the snake oil to the man on the right. Uh, you see, it's all very simple. In fact, we, we we will each pour a glass for each of them, and they'll both drink them at the same time, and then we'll and then we'll just sort of uh, see what happens. And uh, based on what happens, I'll say we'll declare a winner. Right, lovely. Sounds wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> All right, let me pour two glasses from my personal personal collection. <laughs> uh, I shall do the same. I have a this bottle has been aged uh, since I was a wee lad. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was a lad, my father taught me how to make iguana oil. I used to tend the casks. I would rotate them every fortnight. Yes. Mr. Haberdash, I poured my glasses my five minutes ago. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just reminiscing. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. All right, here we are. Let me, I'm just going to use this uh, this bottle of seltzer, this this uh, squirting seltzer bottle, to, uh, to to shoot out oil at a distance. You know, it's a bit of a have a bit of fun, you know, a bit of ent entertainment for this crowd here. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, did you see the arc on that thing? Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you see? Did you yeah. See? 
He's really that tall in real life. He's actually tall. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It is I, the bar referee. Now we have a special drink-off challenge. The two gentlemen each have two glasses prices in front of them. One for each hand. One is snake oil. One is iguana oil. They are both a type of oil that cures all. Or do they? We will see as this drink-off begins. The final challenge. Gentlemen, you may drink when you are ready. All right. Oh, um, I already, I already drank, I already drank mine. While, while they, while them guys were talking, I already, already let me drank finish. it. Let me, let me, let me, let me finish my thought. Um, um, I will drink. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, oh, yeah. Oh. I, I'm feeling a, I'm feeling kind of funny right now. <laughs> It kind of feels Ooh. like bullets in my inside going in all uh, which, which way. Uh, Mr. Manny, uh, Mr. Manny, what? You okay, sir? Uh, not okay. Um, oh, man, look at him. His his mustache is all, it, it's starting to curl up. That can't be good. Ladies and gentlemen, what we're seeing at this drink-off is a situation where both of the men have died. Uh, oh, drink? finally. The sweet release of death has has catapulted me from this iron grip of depression and misery. Oh, this reptile oil truly did solve my problems. As I leave this mortal coil, I have a one-third piece of advice for you, boy. When life gets you down, drink your problems away. Oh. Well, you know, Shepardine, I don't yeah. think we're very smart. Yeah, I don't... I don't know why... We were fans of either one of them, because they all just died in the end. Now that now that snake oil on the other hand, that looks mighty fine. Oh, that yeah, I get me some more of that. Hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm businessman. <laughs> Ed scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh man, that was oh that was, that was great. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh man, I I really love I really love the uh, the commentators like the sports commentator characters or like how you brought that in. Um, uh, and yeah, I yeah I I liked how it all kind of ended up. I mean yeah like yeah I was like like I knew I knew it was kind of the lazy thing to do would be to just sort of have a shootout happen. And I feel like maybe you, I feel like we were kind, of, we kind of had a group mind on that. Like we both sort of were on this. And like I like, I like how it turned out in the end. Like they both, they, they both ended up dying in the end, but not with a shootout. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that was really great. Yeah, all, all this stuff with the parlay of like, or like, 
all, all the different rules you came up with for the shootout and then the idea of like yeah <laughs> of like throwing the game and stuff yeah a lot of fun stuff a lot of fun character voices yeah i <laughs> so, yeah uh, the iguana oil i love that <laughs> You did, yeah. Tomcat. That was, you did a great color commentator voice. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember. If, I, I couldn't remember if your character had a name or not, so I didn't say anything. But uh, or I didn't like name your character. But uh, but yeah, Tomcat okay. is the name. I just it just called to mind so much of of just like a radio commentator or something. So yeah, yeah that was definitely yeah. the highlight for me. The the commentator. <laughs> beautiful oh, it's that it's it's that uh like anachronistic absurdity that becomes like mm, that, yeah the highlight of it um, <laughs> i thought that was fun and of course we i think we were on the ba same page that like they had to like they had to die somehow and drink <laughs> yeah it, yeah it was kind of only a matter of finding it but i think yeah i think you, you you leaned into it right at the right point where it was like yeah this is a good ch this is a good time for them it's just <laughs> And and their their duel, I guess. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. I I think overall the pacing was really good. Actually, I think we 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 didn't let any one one little game or one little thing drag on for too long. Uh, but we did manage to sort of explore a few different things. Um, yeah. Just that beginning part with the uh, the kids, you know, the kids talking about it, and then. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, yeah. I think it all just evolved really, really well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I think that's like the scene painting leads to a good situation like that. Yeah, everything really well. Um, I don't know. This audio format is very interesting for that. I'm just like walking yeah. around picturing this. I'm like, where am I? <laughs> What's over yeah, here? It, it does. It, you do use your imagination more in some ways because you're not you have no visual input i guess so um yeah oh yeah i i gotta call i forgot the, i gotta call out the uh the this the the sponsor you know like the like the word from our sponsor and being a snake oil thing like that was such a great move like it's, it's like it made so much sense for the for the world and then yeah and then uh uh yeah, it was cool to explore that later on. Even I, I also yeah, I feel like I felt like I had to bring like we had to bring in that snake oil guy somehow. <laughs> you know, like once you came, like once you brought him up, he's like, well, we got it. We like we got to know more about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And it was such a like such a like it's almost like a Simpson writing play <laughs> that you brought in with like the Mr. Haberdash. <laughs> I got a different name. I love it. I can yeah. see this is like this is I don't know. It's turning into like Simpsons episode in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that. Like like kind of kind of early to mid '90s Simpsons, of course, not the modern day. <laughs> yeah, when it was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I think something. I don't know where did where did you think it was? Do you have mindset on like where it was you know where the end would be 
Not at all. Actually, actually, no, I was actually trying to sort of think about it, but then I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to push for anything. I'm just going to try to react more. I, I do feel like, well, yeah, I, I do feel, I, I do feel like there were a lot of places where maybe I, I could have, I could have like offered more to you to play off of. Like, I feel like I was, I was maybe feeding off of a lot of like, uh, but like, I think, I don't know. I, I, I guess it, it, it was a back and forth, I guess, but yeah, I, I guess it's maybe just, me overthinking but yeah but uh but no i yeah i didn't think of any particular way it would go definitely didn't think about how it would how the way it ended with with that you know like with what the way it did end i had would have had no idea uh i was just trying to think like how i mean i was thinking like how are we gonna like through audio like narrate a shootout happening if it does come to that but i'm kind of glad it didn't because it was both funnier and it was easier to do in audio, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah, something I loved I don't know. I, I thought like the pacing was good. Um and I think but I think like it could have been tighter at times. There were times where I'm like, mm. uh yeah, let's like let's get to the point here with maybe like in the Yeah. No, no, that, that's totally fair. I, I definitely know that was probably more my fault. Cause like, yeah, I, sometimes I just like riff on a character. I just sort of like have a character just, just say some commentary. And I, I know, I know like that's like one of the things that I need to work on more is like, he's like kind of reining that in a little bit, but, but yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I can, I can definitely see like in a few places, if I probably went back and listen to this, I could probably pick out a few places where, yeah, it's like, can just tighten up just a little bit, you know, just move to the next thing. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I, I could always do that. Yeah. But that said, I didn't, you know, didn't know how to do that. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Let's move on to the next thing with this one. Let's start <laughs> mindset. Like, I don't know. I, I, that was like, no, that was like probably like an hour. Yeah, it, yeah, it was maybe yeah, a little, maybe a little under an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, there were a few places where I got a little meta. Like I, there, I, I think at, at one point you said something like, "It's not high noon anymore. It's four. It's four o'clock, and I've been waiting for two hours." And I was like, "Hmm." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think it was you probably just misspoke it or something. But I was like, "Well, yeah." This is a, Daylight savings time, which reads it's two hours. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I can see how. Yeah, I, I, I need, yeah, that's something I need to work on, like doing like meta commentary that sort of just throws it off of the. Because uh, like, yeah, I, I, that probably, that probably wasn't fair to you as a team partner to throw that at you. So. I, no, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was a good one. I was like, it, it honestly wasn't me misspeaking. It was like me having this different model in my mind. Like, yeah, it's not high noon anymore. I've been waiting here since 2 p.m. or whatever in my mind. But like, I didn't keep it strictly logical. But like, mm. following those things and what's there and like, make sure you're staying true to those rules and like, abundantly clear. I think that that makes a lot of sense. But like, when you don't do that and then you're like, oh yeah, and you call it out. I thought that was a fine joke. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I guess it probably could get a little better sometimes. I mean, yeah, and <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. I, I, I appreciate you coming in today. I know, yeah, I know you probably got busy stuff the weekends, but yeah, it's always, always good to see you. I know, you know, it's been a while. Uh, I, I like to end my jams with a lesson of the day. Um, do you have, do you have offhand, it, it, it doesn't have to be like a real lesson. It could be just something funny based on some, some, one of the scenes we did or something, but do you have any, off the top of your head, any lesson of the day that we could take away with us from this jam? Um, if you're, if you feel like you're getting drunk, you can just stop, I guess. <laughs> I, I meant that mm. like, like if you're starting to get tired in the scene, do something else. Hmm. Oh, okay, you're tying it back to the to an improv tip. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that makes sense. Yeah. You. you yeah. <laughs> whether yeah, whether you're talking about drinking too much or finding the game of a scene in improv. You're feeling tired. You do something else. <laughs> Good. Uh, beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for your lesson of the day, and thank you for coming, Jason. Uh, do you? Before we go, do you have anything to plug or anything you got going on that you want to mention? I didn't know. Daylight savings tonight. Daylight um, <laughs> Yeah. Go daylight savings. Yeah. Woo. Or great. The forty-nine hour weekend. My favorite one. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is the fall backward one, the good one. Uh, the good one. Yeah. We do this every weekend. Woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. What if we just swap back and forth every weekend? Um. <laughs> oh no. That'd be wild. Uh. But yeah. Um. Nice. All right. Well, yeah. Everybody, remember to switch, set your clocks back if you live in the U.S. U.S.A. Uh, 2 a.m. I think tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Jason. Uh, I guess I will. I will. Uh, I will catch you. Uh, uh, you know, next time, snake oil's on me. All right, snake oil's on me next time. Oh, thanks, partner. <laughs> Come back. Soon. All right. All right. Well, we're gonna ride off into the sunset on another Saturday jam. Thank you all for listening. Woo! See you. Bye-bye.